Welcome to The Living Room, a cozy place of candid conversation. We're a group of women in various ages and stages of life. Join us for thoughtful discussion with a side of humor. We chat about everything from parenting issues to life balance, what matters most, and how to make it happen in everyday life. Settle in just to listen or feel free to add your comments online at www.fromthelivingroom.com. And now, your hosts for today's show. Hello, hello, and welcome to The Living Room. We want to cheer you on and welcome you to your summer. Today, we're going to talk about a fun conversation while you're getting caught up in everyone else's world. This is all about you and your world. Today, we're going to be talking about how we seek our bliss, how we find it, and then how we nurture it over time. And so if you're just joining us, if this is your first show, we have lots of shows that you can listen to. You can find us at fromthelivingroom.com. Um, we are, this is, we're celebrating a year of shows on From the Living Room. And so we are delighted to have you listen to this. If you have been a longtime listener, welcome back. Today we are excited to help you explore some of the things that you love to do and also really finding that joy that comes from seeking it. So we're going to start with a story from Jenna. Back in college, I um, lived close enough to the university that I was able to walk home. It was about a three-mile walk, but I enjoyed it. And I, it was right in the middle of the city, but I had found this little trail that kind of wove its way into this unknown, uncharted territory, if you will, that w- crossed over a little wooden footbridge and a stream, and you would see the sun bouncing through. And it just became this oasis or this respite of... Um, nature in the middle of the city and so I'd walk through there and I remember one day walking through with my head I'd just come from art class and my head was just so full of ideas and I was just kind of soaking up all the energy from nature and um, having this wonderful walk well at the end of the walk I had to step back into the city and I'm cutting across um, through this parking lot of this church to make it back onto the main road and right when I get to the main road this police officer turns on his lights And I'm like, oh, no, I hope I wasn't trespassing. And I'm thinking, well, he can't pull me over for speeding on foot because I'm only going three (laughs) miles an hour. So I I walk up to him, and I'm a little gingerly kind of approaching the car, and I don't really know what he's going to do. And he rolls down his window, and he says, why are you so happy? Mm. And it really took me aback because I had never thought at that point that, what I was feeling on the inside was visible to other people. And then it was something that other people actually wanted and wanted more of. And I hadn't thought very much about how I arrived at that place of really deep, visceral, visible joy. And um, so that, that moment, if you will, um, kind of gave me pause and gave me an opportunity to ponder what it was that had deepened my happiness and made it so strong. And so, um, anyway, that's, that's my story. I love that. You getting pulled over for being happy. Right? Yeah. I don't think that's happened to anyone else, right? It's really (laughs) never happened to me. I love it. No, but I love that. And I, I think that, you know, there are definitely, uh, ages and stages and, and chapters in our life that are some that are more joyful than others. But a couple of years ago, I was, uh, we were at scrapbook weekend, which is one of my favorite things. And, um, a friend was sharing something and it wasn't so great. And I started to think about all of the things that she could learn from that and how wonderful it was that she was having this challenge 
challenge. And I was just so happy for her that she was having this challenge. And I started to open my mouth and she stopped me and she said, oh, Michelle, I cannot hear one of your but the good part about this is, oh, <laughs> oh yeah, and I didn't yeah. know I did uh-huh. that. Like I, that that's just my my You're nature. Right. My nature right. is. Right. Wait yeah. a minute, this can still work. Or this is still good, or we don't have to. Uh-huh. Don't want to scrap it. Like let's yep, use yep, yep. our resources. And it wasn't until then that I realized that that was one of the things that was a gift my mom gave me because she was all about um, being happy anyway and finding some of those things. But I I think this leads into an interesting conversation of sure those things are going to happen. Life may not be great all the time. But can we still be happy enough that someone notices and pulls you over and says, what are you happy for and why are you happy about it? And so I want to talk about that because I think in this day and age where you can turn on the TV and instantly feel icky about something that's happening or you can open your Facebook feed and instantly hear the drama that's going on in everyone's life and it starts to come and take away from us. But how do we really maintain a state of happiness and a state of look on the bright side? Because really that that kind of can be what it's all about. So how do we do that in our everyday life? Jody, what are your thoughts? I love Spumoni ice cream. One, because my Italian heritage, Spumoni oh, is, yeah. you know, is, is ice cream that is Italian and it's layered. And I think of life sometimes in layers. And so I think of the joy of, of the layers, you know, they all taste a little different. There's a sweetness to each different part of the ice cream. Sometimes we miss that in life. And so trying to take that into your everyday life and saying, you know, it's Spumoni. You know, it's all together, but each layer has its own individual taste. And, you know, that's really an illustration that we want to live. That's the ideal. But I think if you take it down to those smaller moments that I don't want it to sound cliche, but really those everyday moments that you conscientiously and mindfully live and breathe, that's really how we create our daily bliss. And Mm -hmm. it's not much more complicated than that. Um, but I think it's a practice. It's something that we really have to look at and being okay looking at it in layers that, you know, this layer isn't really fun right now, but this layer has a beauty to it. And this Mm -hmm. layer has a little bit of, you know, challenge to it, but it's going to help me grow. So I really do think that positive thinking is a practice that we have to do every day Yes, and not be afraid to look at it, that it isn't all wonderful tasting all the time, but there's there's moments that are precious. There's moments of wonder. And even challenges can be wonderful, but we really have to be able to break those down, feel them, taste them, own them, and appreciate them. Yes. No matter how ordinary they are. Well, and I think that what you speak to, Jody, is something that I'm going to have Jana share in just a minute, but I love the word mindfulness mm-hmm. because I don't mm-hmm. think seeking your bliss or finding daily happiness can happen just if we're just running around life and just no. letting life happen to us. No. It's a choice and a decision that we have to create in our mind. So, Jana, yeah. will you share that story that I love? Sure, absolutely. So I was at Cambridge, and we were standing outside the um, the hall to go in for our mealtime, and I remember this older student came up to me, and she said, Jana, how do you manage to stay in a constant state of bliss? It was another one of those things, like right. the police officer saying, and I didn't realize, again, that that was some visible thing, and maybe I'm just, you know, whatever. Anyway. What are you I, drinking? Come yeah, on, share it I know, I know. <laughs> but what I realized, and I, you know, I've thought about it a lot, is that there was a certain mindfulness there that this person was missing. She may have been annoyed that we were, you know, waiting in line to go to dinner, or she may have been annoyed that it was extra hot or extra crowded or her feet hurt or who knows what else. But 
I was absorbing the fact that we were at a world-class university in a country I'd always wanted to visit, where walking the corridors of great minds, you know, Stephen Hawking, all those people that have walked down those same hallways, we were there reading in the same library as these people. And to me, you know, there could have been Macbeth lurking around the corner, the artful dodger ready to pick a pocket. Everything I'd read and, and, and imagined in my whole life was coming to pass in this summer. And so the whole time, I was just imagining things. I was enjoying it all. And other people, I guess, were not as much. And I didn't realize it until then. But I think that moment-to-moment mindfulness, being aware of the goodness that's happening. And then the other thing is a big-picture connectedness. Noticing that you're connected to other people, that you're connected to your higher power, that you're connected to nature. I think that big-picture thing feeds that moment-to-moment mindfulness and that's the thing it's it has to be in tandem yes um and that reminds me my friend sydney um is a speaker and she's an amazing speaker and she tells this story she was speaking in san francisco she has a long-term contract with the state of california and um she takes a an uber or a lyft like she calls and the driver comes and picks her up and uh, everywhere she goes and this particular time she gets in the car and the guy was super nice and friendly, and she was like, oh, good, because, you know, you never know what you're going to get. Yeah, yeah. But um, he he says to her, happy Friday. And a minute goes by, and she's thinking to herself, isn't it Friday? I thought it was Monday. And so then she's, like, debating with herself about, is she going to tell him? Is she going to ask him? And she, finally, she couldn't, she couldn't handle it. She's like, she's like, well, thank you, but you do know it's Monday. <laughs> and, and he was like, he's like, of course I do, but everyone likes Fridays better. And so Aww. if I can just wish everyone a happy Friday, yeah. then maybe they'll treat it like a happy Friday. But I think about I that it. what you talked about in that story, and I also think about how we say, oh, it's Monday, or I have a case of the Mondays, or oh, mm-hmm. my goodness, mm-hmm. I, yeah, I, if I can just get to Friday. But if we could just treat every single day like it was the end of the week or like it was something else. And I love that idea and that analogy and that story that she shares that we can choose what kind of day we have. We can choose if we're going to treat it like um, the end of the week or the beginning. We can choose if we're going to make it a happy one or a not happy one. And granted, there are those days where, and I had one last week where I was like, if anything else bad happens, oh, I, I am going to be convinced that it is the world against me today. Yeah. And But even in some of those days, it, we can choose to laugh at it or we can choose to cry. And uh, sometimes I do both. But how? But I love that idea of creating a Friday kind of life every single day. And for me, I often think about it like creating a vacation kind of life. Like sometimes when I'm on vacation, things are carefree, they're great, they're wonderful, but really living a magical life is having every single day feel like a vacation and feel like it's happy enough that you can create a memory or do something wonderful. And so I think part of that is creating that. But Jody, do you have any thoughts about creating some mindfulness? Oh, I was going to say, first, if I could go back to the Cambridge experience, what you were talking about, about having the power to create that. Um, What I didn't tell this person when she asked why I was in a constant state of bliss was that three days before we left for Cambridge, one of my really good friends in college had just killed himself. Oh, no. And I was just so up in arms. I, I had to miss the funeral because I was leaving the country. My parents went for me. and But I was just sick inside. Suicide, just that whole idea of it just makes me sick to my stomach. And I had had to really work through this process. I spent a lot of time on my knees, a lot of time reading things that were uplifting and trying to wrap my brain around this loss. And so I wasn't in a fairy tale world. Right. And, and there was nothing shallow about my bliss. There was 
there was kind of a working through and an acceptance of a really hard situation, but then also um, being willing to be where I was at the moment. And conscious. Very yes. conscious. Very yeah. conscious. Instead yeah. of letting things happening to you. And it's interesting because you talk about that, and then Jody will get back to you because we went back to totally this conversation. Totally fine. Yes, we, I loved it. I'm loving all of it. <laughs> but I, okay. I remember when my father passed away, my, my, my stepmom is from China. And in their tradition, you mourn for a very long time. Yeah. And you stay in your room, and that is how you honor the dead. Mm -hmm. And we're different and in our culture, and even with some of my religious feelings. Like, she was mad that the rest of us were happy, mm-hmm. that we could still find that. Mm-hmm. And and yet, at the same time, that's what got me through a really difficult time. And it, But it's interesting to watch different people do that. But what you talk about, I think, is interesting because... I can I I think it's important for us to feel all the feelings. Like yeah. we're humans. I do too. Yes. I do we too. can feel sad. We can and as you know, as a life coach and a happiness coach, sometimes I feel bad when I feel sad. I'm like, Michelle, you know what to do, get out of this. Yeah. But we're supposed to feel all of those feelings, but we don't have to dwell there. No, and we don't right. have to stay there for a long time. And my friend's mom used to say that if you're going through hell, don't stop and build a house there. Exactly. Right? Exactly. So like, but you can choose to let those moments, but sometimes we take on that mentality. Like I have to be sad or I have to be this. You don't have to be anything. You can be anything you want. You can still honor your friend mm-hmm. by choosing mm-hmm. to love and enjoy your experience, knowing that that's what he would want you to do. Absolutely. And absolutely. And that's so, that that's so part of this whole mindfulness conversation is saying, I can be sad and happy at the same time. I can still enjoy yep. my circumstances and honor him at the same time. Yep. I can still feel that joy. And I just think that is so beautiful. Anyway. Okay. Jody. This yeah. summer, or let's see, where are we? What, what's it? No, we're going into summer. So it started in the fall, kind of went in through winter, but then early spring. A little bit of depression set in. I don't know that it would be seasonal depression. It definitely felt a little more chemical. Went to see a doctor and just said, you know, I'm just checking in to just make sure because I'm premenopausal, you know, TMI. But the reality is, is that as you go on, hormones change. And, and I started to realize that my happiness habits were going to have to change a little bit. It, maybe happiness wasn't going to come as easy as it always has. And so this mindfulness practice has become very important to me mm-hmm. over this last year. Mm-hmm. I've needed to reclaim joy. And it's not that it left. It's not that catastrophic things happened and made me really sad. It's just sometimes waking up was like, oh, I don't feel like Jody. I don't feel like I used to feel. And that scared me. And I it taught me something. We can't be afraid of that little dip. Like you're saying, you have to feel everything. Um, I, I had to sit and say, i got to sit with my feelings and mm-hmm. what's making me sad and and. What is making me uncomfortable? What is making me not want to capture that joy or want to jump out of bed like I normally would and say, oh, I want to start my day. But I, I did something for several, several weeks, and it probably turned into a couple months. I do the same thing where I would write down all the things that I had accomplished. And I thought this was really archaic in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Like, why am I writing down, you know? got up, took my shower, know, you know, know, made breakfast. Or, but what I realized when I looked at that list at the end of the night, I went, wow, look what I did. And it was that confirmation that I really wasn't just existing. I really was living. Mm-hmm. But how was I going I like that. to change my mindset so that I could start getting back into that Jody that would enjoy the simple walk down the street, you know, with the dog or in the carpool to go get the kids or the visit to the neighbor? Because I was kind of going through the motions. And chemically, obviously, that just sometimes happens. And your brain checks out and you shut it down. Does. Yeah. But you can reclaim it. And I think we can't forget that sometimes reclaiming this joy 
is recreating these happiness habits and actually saying, I've got to do this. I've got to be able to do this actual act, whether it's writing something down or, or saying, you know what, I'm going to buy fresh flowers right now just for the fact that seeing something alive on my counter is going to smell good. It's going to look pretty. I'm going to bring happiness in. And I, I kind of like a magnet, start to collect happiness. It's not far gone. I, I When I started to wake up from this little um, state of, you know, unhappiness and going, you know, I really am not unhappy. It's just I had to, I had to recognize that it's here. It's, it's like the ruby slipper thing, you know, you had the power all along. And I think it's common for women to go through stages where we forget, but it's so joyful to remember and how exciting it is to be on that other side going, oh, I feel it again. I feel it. But I had to create it. I had to choose my own experience mm -hmm. and say, I'm not giving up. I'm not going to just I'm not just going to give up on happiness. I'm going to go get it. And it was small things that brought it back. Very small. Some people might think insignificant things. But looking at that list at the end of the day was like, you know what? I did these things. And then I'd add more to it. And, you know, but being able to accept that it's where I was and it was okay. And I was going to recover was part of the part of the journey and I'm forever changed by it. I really am. I don't want to go through it again tomorrow, right. no, <laughs> but no. I really am forever changed. And it probably makes me a lot more compassionate to those that just can't snap their fingers and say, it's all better. You right. know? Right. Well, that's and I, one of the best things that an experience like that does for you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. is give you compassion and empathy. And I love that, that you talked about collecting happiness because mm -hmm. sometimes we have to go and part of collecting, like if you're collecting rocks, my husband loves to collect shells mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and we were on the beach last summer and we go to the beach when we go to, go to Oregon. Um, and my husband goes and collects shells for a long, 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 long time. And that he loves that, but collecting it is you're going, you're seeking it out. You're looking down, you're using your looking eyes. You're trying to find it. You're picking up the things that work for you. You're leaving behind the things that don't, but at the end, you're proud of that collection. Mm -hmm. And the funny part about that story to me is that, and this is something he does every single year, and the, two years ago he goes to show my then four-year-old his collection, and mm -hmm. literally he had been gone 90 minutes. And I could see him, you know, down, up, and down. It wasn't oh, yeah. like he was gone, but that was his thing. And great, go yeah. ahead. I'm happy sitting here reading a book and watching the kids. And, right. Um, and he goes and shows my then four-year-old, and he's like, look at this one. This one's black, and this one's white, and this one this one has, like, all this iridescent. It picks up the light, and he's he's telling her all about him. And she goes, and hits his hand, <gasps> and they fly up all over, oh. and they are gone. Are gone. Oh. <laughs> oh, no. And, uh, and uh, he was like, okay. <laughs> and he kind of let that go. But isn't that like the perfect analogy yes. of how it goes? Yes. That you can yeah. go out and you can you can collect all of these things and then something's going to happen. And then you have to decide, am I going to give up right. or am I going to go collect again? Yes. But mm -hmm. I love your mm -hmm. list because you can go back mm -hmm. to that and you yes. can look at that over and over again. And all is not lost when those moments mm -hmm. happen, when they get thrown out of your hands and you're like, now what do I do? Mm -hmm. And so I'd love for us to, to shift our conversation to say, okay, what are the things you're doing? What are the actual things that are really helping you seek that bliss to maintain that state of happiness mm -hmm. and to really maintain that mindfulness that really helps you, whether it's a list or something else? Jenna? I do meditation. Oh, I'm so glad you're talking about this. Okay, go. Okay. Um, I'm not very good at it, and I haven't done it very long, but I've noticed that it has a really big impact on me. And um, last fall, we had um, emptied out our savings account. We had a huge flood that took out most of our basement, mm -hmm. and we had um, then found out at the same time that we had to put on a new roof on our house. And the stress of that and 
some of the other things going on was just unbelievable. But taking, even if it was just 10 minutes to just focus on my breathing and kind of plug into a more positive vibe, honestly, it took me to a place, I felt like I coasted through something that could have destroyed me. And it was so incredibly helpful to me. And I think when you when you tune in like that, you're connecting to a power that and a force that is outside of you, but also inside of you, right? At the right. same time, you're pulling up reserves in yourself that you didn't know you had. And um, I feel like I was in some ways happier that fall than I've been in my whole life. Mm-hmm. Isn't that amazing? Yes. When everything was going wrong. Right. I was fine. I love that. And I think that one of the things that is important to remember, sometimes when I think about going out and collecting happiness, I think about going and doing. I think about getting out of my house. Mm -hmm. I think about going, doing something fun, going to a movie, getting a pedicure, all those things that I think are great to add to our list of things. But what I think that you speak to that I think is so important is that sometimes when our mind is craving something different, it's craving for less. Yes. Yes. It's craving for peace. Yes. It's craving for some quiet. And you know, Sydney's going to make our show twice in the same show. But one of the things that Sydney taught me this year is um, feast before Facebook. Oh, I love it. So I usually do my feasting, whether that's scripture or just reading a good self-help book or reading something that helps me grow in a talent or whatever. I usually do that at night. That's part of my power down routine, and I love that. Mm -hmm. But what she was teaching me is that we we hop into Facebook, we hop into something else, we hop into email, and we're immediately onto other people's goals, ideas, and agendas. But we have to fill ourselves. And I was already into a power-up routine and a power-down. I've talked about that on previous shows. And that is one of my life-saving techniques techniques of just making sure I have my reserves full, but I had to change the order and I had Mm -hmm. to do it differently. And when I noticed that if I was filling myself first before I got onto anything else, then the other things didn't affect me as much. Right. The the times where the shells were being kicked out of my hands were fine because I had something else in me. So whether that's through meditation or reading or bringing something in or diving really deep into scripture, I have found that I am just learning some new things and I'm, my perspective is changing. Yes. The things that are the most important become first instead of when I have time or something else. And granted, there are different times and seasons for everything. And, and, uh, you know, I have a friend who's a busy mom and all she has time for is listening to books in the shower and she has to combine them both. And I'm grateful that I'm in a different stage that I don't have babies that are waking me up every two hours and that I can find that, but I'm noticing I need that first. And so sometimes if we can figure out how to put some of those things in so that we can continue to maintain that state, I think that's so important because the demands on us are more than ever. We're getting pulled in 4,000 different directions. And so taking those moments, I love that. Any other top uh, thoughts or tips that you have that you want to talk about, about creating and seeking your bliss that we can share with our listeners? You know, I found that because it was winter uh, and I do love winter. I'm, I may be considered an oddball, but I am a winter lover and inside your house, you know, sometimes people will get that closed-in winter feeling. Fever, sure. I don't yeah. mind putting on, you know, the scarf and the warm jacket and mm-hmm. going outside and taking the walk. And I have a good friend that I walk with. Um, I went up a place here in Utah called Mill Creek Canyon and snowshoed. And I did some things this winter that I haven't done in a while, even just by myself. And that was renewal for me. 
Um, and I think getting outside in nature, that's no matter it. what time it is, yeah. even if it is just a walk outside, that sunshine, it does wonders for you. Even clouds do wonders for you mm -hmm. if you're really studying them. Fresh and air. Fresh, fresh air. All it just it. feels different. And then to think of those five senses. What are you feeling? What are you tasting? What are you smelling? Mm -hmm. You know, what's what sounds are you hearing? Again, it goes back to that awareness. The second thing that I found myself doing is I, I lost my joy of nesting at home and all of a sudden I realized you know what I gotta I gotta do a little decorating and it wasn't big decorating it was pulling out the um the Valentine's Day decorations or the Easter decorations and just finding one shelf it's all I could handle mm -hmm. putting those things up and then going oh sit back and say I accomplished that and I love that I was changing my environment I bought new dishes and I'm a dish lover and so my parent my husband's like no more dishes but I think we have to remember what is the newness? What's the what is the joy that brings in that little flare of oh this feels different? Yeah. And so it doesn't have to be a lot of money spent by any means. My dishes were cheap, but all of a sudden dinner became like you know what we get a really yummy dinner and there it's just fresh and it's new. You know, buy a new tablecloth or use new colored paper plates or whatever it is in your house that you just need to feel like you need to spruce it up. Um, don't go paint a wall if you're feeling, you know, in the, in the depths of, okay, I'm overwhelmed. Do less is more. Make it simple, you know. Buy a frame and paint it. I, I just think that newness has to come in and we can't lose that flair for creativity inside. So I say go inside, go outside, but bring that feeling of freshness. Yes. I have a friend Jenna. who paints the insides of her kitchen cupboards with all different bright, bright, oh, bright I colors. Love it. And then she closes the doors and it's all white. Yeah. And then just every once in a while she just needs a pop of color. So she yes. just opens her cupboard doors and there's purple and orange and green. That's adorable. Isn't that fun? Mm -hmm. That's so adorable. Cute. But color does lift yeah. you, you know, and we get a lot of that out in nature, but we also yeah. need it indoors. Yeah. Uh, something else, this may be silly to some, but I had to focus on a couple of words. I love the word whimsy. And when oh, I even yeah. say it, it makes me happy. And there's a book called Aspire, and it's all about words. But I have a word wall yeah, that cool. basically is quotes mm -hmm. and family pictures. And my husband kept saying, no more signs with words on them, please. But the reality is, is that it helps me. I, I read that affirmation on my wall, and it's words. But even one word, I would just get fixated on and say, I'm just going to say whimsy, whimsy, whimsy. <laughs> and, uh, and so, again, what... What can you do that's simple, that doesn't cost anything, that allows you to get outside yourself and just experience joy? Our kids went to a Waldorf school, like I mentioned before, and one of the things that they encourage parents to do in support of that education system is to have a nature table in your home. Mm. And you bring like a piece of silk and a shell and, you know, a branch or whatever. And it's really important, they say, for the children to observe the way nature changes day to day and to bring that into your home. And so right now we have pine cones and next we're going to have, you know, buds from this yes. tree that's blooming. And um, just having that little bit of nature in your home and and allowing it to change like you say what's new mm -hmm. i think the newness always feels good right it does. anything new it just lifts you a little bit and so to if as nature changes then you feel oh this now look it's new now yes mm -hmm. yeah. yes and you know the old standard of go serve somebody sometimes when you are in a state of you're not quite feeling really strong in your happiness level you can't do something big but again just reaching outside of yourself and knowing you have something to give something to offer and, you know, lend a hand, um, say kind things to a stranger, make a very, you know, simple uh, list of something you can do. But don't forget that you have something to give, something to offer and go do some good. 
yeah. come home and then tell yourself, I did good today, mm-hmm. you know, be kind to yourself and let yourself know that it's going to be all right. It's all good. I love that. And what I love about this conversation was that the tip that I was going to share is on the power of new. And I'm actually writing a book on this right now because we've been doing some fun things with clients about helping and discover the power of new. But if you think about how things change, even logos and brands over Mm -hmm. time, they change because Mm -hmm. even though people love and know what Coca-Cola looks like, they have to change and adapt a little. Mm -hmm. Even if it's taking the same classic logo and adding a different color, adding something else. And as kids growing up, growing up, when you had a new outfit, Yes. Oh, you yeah. were so excited when you woke up the next day. With new their, shoes. Yeah, you're just new, sure you can fly. It wasn't just yeah. Monday yes. anymore. It was yeah. Monday with new shoes. With, it yeah. felt like Friday. Yes. <laughs> but what you're talking about and whether you whether you buy it or whether you create it, whether it's your shelf in your house with the decorations or changing around uh, the furniture in your oh, bedroom. huge. We, we have these neural pathways that go, but then they weaken almost when we use them over and over and over and over again. But if we can, uh, even if we're getting to the same end and we do it a different way, if you drive a different way to work or if you mm-hmm. do, do something else, you're opening up some new neural pathways that open up new places in your brain. And yes. so um, this is such a fun conversation. And gosh, now I'm like, but I think that as we end today, I think that as you're seeking your bliss and whether you are in the middle of, of patterns and habits that you love or whether you're ready for something new, um, seeking your bliss is really about you creating it your way. You'll never find your bliss by following someone else's path or doing no. it somewhere else. But I hope that as you go throughout the next days and weeks that are ahead, that you'll start to be thinking about uh, creating a more mindful behavior, about creating the type of happiness that you want that is important for you and for your families, regardless of your circumstances. And I hope that you'll take one of these mm-hmm. tips or even share some of your own with us on our Facebook page about how you're creating some of that mindfulness. We wish you all the best as you create something new for you in your life that will help you find that bliss in every age and stage. And we hope that as you as you grow and as you go out, that you'll find a way to give yourself, your family, and maybe even a new future some living room. It's that time of year. We are listening to Christmas music and getting excited for our favorite family recipes. But I want you to know about Connie's book, Simplify and Savor the Season. Yay, I love this. This came out of a few years ago. I actually used to love the holidays. And then with young children, I have seven. And it got to a point where I really, September, I started to feel anxiety knowing that October was coming. (laughs) And I said, you know what? I don't want to live this way. So I wrote, I started writing down some tips for myself, researched some different things, and then ended up writing a book um, because of the request of how to simplify the season. And so I have a three-step plan. You involve your family. It takes about 30 to 45 minutes to do it all together. You've got the three major holidays plus one extra that you can plan together. You do go through the food, the gifts, the decor, and it's not a mom show anymore. It's the family buy-in and you still retain the control as a mom because you know what goes into the backstory. So it also has a take-along planner that comes with it, a companion planner if you choose, and it has everything listed so it pops in your purse. When I'm out grocery shopping, I'm like, oh, that's right. That's what I wanted. So it's fantastic. It makes it simple. And that's the first half. The second half are these funny, wonderful vignettes for stories that you can just put your feet up and savor the season. Awesome. It's such a fun, quick read that you can find on Amazon, but also directly on Connie's site at ConnieSokol.com. Thanks for coming to The Living Room. We hope you've enjoyed listening, laughing, and learning something new. Join us for our next show. And in the meantime, give yourself and those you love some living room.